The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The leader adjusts the sails. John Maxwell. My name is Thandor, and I enjoy walking in the woods. I'm Fezzik, and I love wandering the world. And then if we find orcs, great, we'll get done. Yeah. Well, I am Corin, a gnome with anger issues who spontaneously bursts into other animal forms uh, when things annoy him. They, they see a halfling. It's just, you know, a little over three feet tall. Welcome to Leaders and Legacies, a D&D 5e podcast. Join me, DM Dave, Chris, Seth, Rachel, and our newest cast member, George as we explore Wes Love. Our Leaders and Legacy family is not only passionate about tabletop games, but we are also volunteers with the Boy Scouts of America. Grab some napkins, because it's time for Cinnamon Mini Bun. Uh, I'm Dave Rockwell. I'm the DM for uh, our game of Leaders and Legacies. You know, I'll let the cast introduce themselves. Hi, I'm um, Rachel. I play Fezzik, and I am a Cub Master and future day camp director. I'm Seth Lowe. I'm an assistant Cub Master for PAC 1683. Good evening, everyone. I'm Chris Cooper. I play Thandor, or as we call him in the game, Tornado, and I am a district commissioner. I'll keep it short in the interest of making sure this stays under one gig of recording time. (laughs) Uh, I'm George Koskin, and I'm finishing up a term on the National Committee for Boy Scouts of America, and I currently sit in National Cabinet Council as one of the Assistant Council Commissioners, and at least seven other jobs. And once again, I'm your Dungeon Master, Dave Rockwell. I'm an Assistant Council Commissioner and Scoutmaster for Troop 1570. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating. Let's get ready to role play. From your point as a ranger, you have found this spot to settle in. You know that you know you're of a homesteader. That it's not a hundred percent sure who owns this land in reality, but that you know nobody's also going to challenge your claim because you've settled here and you know you're kind of between kingdoms, which is you know what made it up for grabs. Well, I sell people wool. I sell people sheep. I make my partners money. So. Yeah, yeah, you're known to be a very trustworthy and honorable person, but everyone who lives out here is living by the blessings of George, to quote a good friend of ours. Things have been changing recently around here, and that there's creatures that haven't been seen before. And in fact, one of the things that kind of piqued your curiosity was, you know, the the creature that they were just describing that has uh, um, taken a fancy to tornado. Indeed. Yeah, that's, well, See, in all honesty, my first thought was, I was going to ask, was this a fast-moving tree or a slow-moving tree? Well, it was moving pretty fast when I set fire to it. It was moving at common speed. Okay. Uh, because we all know, or you may know at least the the, 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 the tales of old of the, of the Ents that once uh, started and grew the forest in this land over here, but they move with 
grace and they move very slowly and regally because they don't have to rush to be anywhere. And it sounds to me that maybe somehow the tree that you encountered was somehow bewitched or taken over, much like our friend here was possessed as a badger. I'm not sure. But the little green man, or little green woman, really puzzles me. Because that's usually the way the goblins or the kobolds or those things from down below find their way in like water coming through the cracks in a rock and then next thing you know they've taken over i've dealt with them long enough would you need us to send help to you as we start fighting this i am we are headed back to the circle of the misty woods i could send friends to help protect this land I really hope it wouldn't come down to that. I was wondering more of anything else if I needed to come help you go a little further on your way, making sure that you arrive where you need to go safely, but more importantly, making sure that the edge of the edge of my meadow and, the, and the, where the forest meets up against the grasslands is safer than it was from whatever may have come and bothered you. Friend, you are welcome to join us if that is your wish. I'll come with you too. And you know, Anton comes back in the room. He's got his axe back on and his shirt off. Anton, if Anton, if I have to go, then I need you to guard your mother. Mom can take care of herself. She's got a crossbow. Mom could definitely take care of herself, but I would feel better. What about Max and X? They can stay and help. You know, you and I never get quality time, as Mom says. Our time for quality time is coming very soon, but hopefully we'll be able to spend more of that time together. But for now, it may be the case where I may have to go and I may need you to keep an eye on your mother. And even though Max and Axe are a little older than you are, they're not clearly as adept, let's say, at the axe work like you are. Nobody's as good at axe work as, as I am. Well, then think think of the possibilities in the three of you becoming master axe handlers together. So we, guys, Dad said we can juggle axes. No, Dad did not say that. Shelby immediately looks, looks at me and says, no, Dad definitely did not say that. But Dad said maybe the three of you together could get better, be safer, but more importantly, know how to take care of yourselves if I have to go. Can I have the whistle? Well, someone will have to take care of the sheep. I may have to give it to you. Let's see how things go first. Deal. Should we leave today? Leave now or venture off in the morning? If you leave now, I get the whistle sooner. What's the approximate time of day? It's some probably, you know, you guys just had second breakfast, so it's, it's approaching lunch. I mean, while while this is going on, Shelby has already started lunch prep. I mean, this is you know, uh, but lunch lunch tends to be more communal in this case. Some of the other some of the other uh, halflings that help run the ranch 
the farmstead will be coming over from where the sheep were. The people help prepare your mutton for travel will be coming over after washing up and you will probably then have a larger meat. And, you know, as you look outside the window then, or look, look outside what would be the porch, you'll see there's a larger table that uh, Rylene has already been setting up with the help of Randy that you basically, you know, what we call a staff lunch. Yeah, not to be confused with a porter staff lunch. That's where they only get sandwiches. It, it's probably not a bad idea to wait till morning. It lets Corin rest after his um his endeavors with the critters he's been, and give us time to get all of our stuff gathered and decide how we're going to carry it and do all that. And they sleep in my room. When is the last time you cleaned your room, Anton? Actually, I cleaned it yesterday because mom's a good mom and made sure I did it right. I look over at Shelby. Shelby kind of nods her head like, yes, she's actually done it for once. <laughs> uh, yeah. Remember the new policy, Dad. Trust but verify. Uh, there's plenty of room here in the farmstead. We'll find places for you to sleep comfortably. And... We can all go, we all set off in the morning and depending on circumstances, I, I will e easily take you down to the far end where the rest of the meadowland meets up against the, against the trees. Uh, and if I need to proceed further, I will let my family know. Till then, I'm in charge. Randy might have some things to say about that, but certainly I... Well, he's in charge of the kitchen. Well, I think Riley would also have some things. To, let's just say you all as a family have to work together and take care of your mom. That's right. There is no it in, in team. <laughs> I'm trying to think about that one. For those of you listening to the podcast, I held up yet another zero one on the score there. All right. I'm just curious. What is our combined score for all the dad jokes that have been going out? Have we finally hit 10 or are we getting like point ones this entire time? Oh no 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 that no, no you Fet, uh, was on a roll she racked up a she racked up a thirty easily you know uh, and then it just went downhill from there right well, you know Anton's really on fire with all this like helping out and participating I was getting ready to ask you why <laughs> we got all serious yeah, I was getting ready to ask you why the long face but you decided to become a badger <laughs> yeah. and so yeah he goes off to get his room ready so that you guys can take it over he's like I'm gonna sleep in a hammock in the barn. The afternoon kind of progresses. You guys get settled in. You get to spend some time with the family. You see the dynamic at work. You know, Anton just happens to be a very immature. They age slower but longer. So basically, you're like your typical first-year scout then. Yeah, exactly. The one time you guys took him to town, he saw a circus. All of that is fascinated. And, you know, he saw the barbarians lifting big, heavy things and wanted to be a barbarian ever since. And, you know, it's harmless. So you so far have been kind enough to play along because you only get to be a kid once. Again, that's, you know, it's a restlessness that tends to come from being a lifefoot halfling. Dad was a ranger. And of course, mom had been, you know, studying other things and everything else like this. So by our nature, our family tends to be restless. It's it's the gross exaggeration of the truth to the point where it becomes a lie that Shelby and I get. Your family sets about its chores for the afternoon. You guys kind of can confer and talk about moving further north. 
but let's assume dinner kind of happens the same way lunch. There's lots of stunts and antics uh, for Manton, who's you know trying to impress his new friends. The evening gets on. You kind of discuss your plans for moving up the valley and you know, back on their path. And everybody beds down, and you guys do go upstairs and sleep in Anton's room. There's actually two sets of bunk beds in there. His siblings have chosen no longer to you know, bunk in with Anton because of his antics. Yeah, so you kind of have a room to yourself. You know, the rest of your family, Stanton, yeah, they you know, go to bed like they normally would. Anton is out in the barn sleeping in his hammock. You know, as everybody's kind of bedding down, it's not overly insulated between inside and outside. So you all can hear, you know, probably Anton talking really loudly to some of the sheep and other things that are in the barn. That's right, there are new friends! Talks until he falls asleep. It's probably, you know, getting on towards midnight when, George, you hear the sound shepherds that, you know, that are on duty at night. Right. Well, we, we, most of the herd has been brought back in off the pasture, but there are people watching the herds. Uh, there are people who are trying to basically, you know, in typical day-to-day -day -day life being a shepherd. There, there are sheep being born, so there, so there are, you know, there are people attending the births. There are people who are... Uh, keeping a watch on everything else is in the pens and everything else like this. So there's a fair amount of activity. It's just very quiet and very low key, but there are people out there paying attention. So what do they see and what do they hear? Well, you know, let's actually deal with it from your perspective. You're, you know, in bed with your wife sleeping and you hear, you know, describe what the alarm sound is that you would hear that would, you know, signal that you need to come. Uh, well, throughout throughout the farmstead, there are a number of, there are a number of basically, uh, uh, large cowbells on poles and basically you hear something that sounds like you know the sound of banging metal and you know bell sound almost as if like you know an 800 pound elsie cow is charging go bong 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 you know so but it's a it's a distinct sound it's a sound shelby and i get up in here and we you know pull together pull together i pull together stuff to basically go find out what's going on uh Shelby heads down into the kitchen to basically get get things ready. If she has to, if something happens where the kids have to be evacuated or hid, she's ready to basically move them to the panic room or move them out accordingly, everything else. So I'm coming outside. I see some of our people who are you know, res responding to the bell, trying to make sense of where it's going on. What do we see? What do we hear? Where am I looking? About how far away from the main farmhouse is like the, the, the nearest sheep pen? The nearest sheep pen will probably be about 500 feet away. I mean, but that being said, uh, the sheep are like 500 feet to 1,000 feet from the main farmhouse. I mean, so basically all, all the paddocks are going to be fairly close together. Even before you're able to get outside, Anton, of course, being outside has gotten closer you know, to the action sooner. And, you know, you hear him yell, Edgar, what is that thing? Edgar yells about something that doesn't really make any sense to you, but you do hear him say, Anton, go get inside. I guess overheard in the conversation, you of course have heard the bell. So quick question. Um, we are on a homestead, so like a farming plantation? Good enough, yeah, yeah. Hobbit style, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know, Fezzik and Corin, you hear that there's you know, a bit of a ruckus going outside and it, doesn't sound like just you know the typical sounds of raiders coming in or you know like a fire or anything like that they they hear the what is it so the moment corin wakes up to the alarm bells he's going to immediately flip into a lion form and kind of put himself like right at the window like where i hear the bells coming from in between the window and the party 
Okay. Yeah. Physic, what are you going to do? Um, so I'm going to grab all my stuff. What can we do? What What do you want us to do? What's going on? What can we do? Okay, so you've kind of gone out to the hall and been trying to catch Stanton as he, uh, you know, heads out. Edgar, Edgar says there's something something going on out there, and of course, with Anton in the barn, it could be anything. But that being said, all the bells went off, so something something's very wrong out there. We've got people trying to deal with it. Let's find out. So, and I'm walking out. I have I my my bow is in my hand. My quiver's already over my shoulder, and I have one axe on my hip. I didn't get to grab the rest of everything else, but I'm going. Are we on the second floor, first floor? Like I, I'm on the first floor. Is it like the, a single floor? Well, your uh, Anton's room happens to be the top floor of what is effectively a two-floor setup, but it's the only thing on the second floor. I don't think Corin is going to wait to go down the steps and navigate doors and hallways and other people. He's just going to launch himself out the window. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you're outside. You're going to head straight towards the uh, the. the I'm gonna like line up right with Stanton and just run in parallel with him. Oh, and, and of course, this is being a hot half a window. It's easy open round round manhole. So, <laughs> well, my curiosity is how you're going to respond when an 800 pound lion jumps out of the second floor of your house and lands next. I watch a badger eat half a tray of cinnamon buns. Nothing phases me right now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Tornado. Yeah. What What are you doing? And you would have heard you know your comrades getting up. I'll I'll run downstairs to join them. Okay, yeah. So you're you're all headed out. So you guys are kind of making your way out. Stanton, you see your you know shepherds and watch, basically doing what you've instructed them to, which is to move the sheep away from anything that uh, could could be problematic or you know pose a, a threat. And you know, in the moonlight, you see shambling towards the, the the herd and the shepherds. This creature kind of shambling its way. It's actually spotted your shepherds. It seems more interested in them than it does the sheep. Mm -hmm. But you know, the sheep may have been what originally brought it in, becoming very threatening to you know, the shepherds as they're kind of pushing the sheep further and further back. And let's go ahead and roll initiative. Nat one, two for me. See, I was just gonna bust on you, but I rolled a five. Fifteen for me. <laughs> Sixteen. Stanton, you all are kind of approaching as a group. So, you know, as you see, you know, this this creature, it seems to kind of be ignoring you or having noticed your group approaching that it's still heading towards one of your, you know, your ranch hands. It kind of, you know, opens its mouth and reaches out towards one of your, you know, ranch hands. But it reaches out and tries to claw it. Um, and you know, the claw it hits. And, you know, you see it kill the ranch hand. And, you know, then even before it falls, that it just, you know, you know, is brought over and, you know, seems to want to merge with this creature. Where are we staying? It's my turn. Yes, it is your turn now. So, the, yeah, you, that's what you just saw was that one of the ranch hands seemed to kind of you know, almost teleport inside this thing, um, but going in through its mouth. And after it took this this blow with its claw. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock an arrow and I'm going to fire. Fourteen. Uh, Fourteen is a miss. All right. So yeah, it's probably the you know, the light and the movement and the we you know, the weird light and the moonlight that threw off your aim a little. Corin. Yeah, you know, you're in. Uh, is it is it lion form, tiger form? Yep. Um, what would you like to do? 
Is there like tall grass or anything in the area? I guess uh, I'll look to Stanton. How is your property maintained? On the ways over to where the uh, the paddocks were, where the shoes being got, basically it's knocked. It's going to be knocked flat. It'd be like uh, hard dirt and everything else. I guess just you know because most of the grasslands where we move sheep to, so there's no place for you to hide in to make your pounds. So it's it's open terrain. Okay, so then Corin is going to realize that he can't like stealth up and pounce on this thing. Uh, so. Um, I'm going to burn my second wild shape and go into grizzly form. Um, and then it's about, what, 30, 40 feet from us? Oh, yeah, yeah no more than that. Okay. Uh, then I am going to kind of challenging roar at it, um, bellow as loud as I can right in its direction to get its attention. Okay. Roll performance. An 11. And so, yeah, you I mean, you get its attention. It looks over towards you, and it doesn't seem to find you a threat, so it kind of continues on towards, you know, uh, the, the remaining shepherds. And I am going to do my attack on it. Okay. Um, so, as a bear, roll for the bite. So, that's a 13. That's a mess, right? Um, miss. Yes, that's correct. It's a miss. And that is a 23 for the bite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 23 for the bite. That is it. The okay. damage. Uh, uh, so that would be 10 damage. 10 damage. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of, you know, you know, hisses and, uh, Roars, if you'd like, roll perception. Uh, it's on 11. Okay, yeah, with 11, you're, you're, you know, even up close, you're not sure what this thing is, but it, it, uh, does not look like a, you know, a creature of nature in this area. So it doesn't, like, it doesn't smell natural, it doesn't smell like any of the yeah. plants or animals? It, it, it doesn't smell like anything that you've ever smelled, and it is completely unpleasant. Okay. Bezik, it is your turn. All right, so I'm so, so, um, Corrin is like tussling with it, right? Like he's like right on top of it. Yeah, I mean, he just bit into it and you know, I uh, did some damage. Didn't know if he like rolled away or anything. Um, so I'm gonna use my longbow. Okay. Yeah, not great. Twelve. All right. Yeah, with a twelve, that yeah, that's a that's a miss. Yeah, this grayish undead thing is slowly looks at the source for yeah for the arrow and then continues on towards the uh, the farmhands tornado. Did they, um, did he kill the other, is the other, um, farmhand dead? So there were like three or four of them at, at the beginning. One of them seemed like it, it, was, it was taken inside this creature. So a preserved life's not going to do him anything. Um, it might. I'll try it. I'll do preserve life on the one that was taken into him. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, remind me, remind us what that does. You can restore 10 hit points. Choose any creature within 30 feet of you and divide those hit points among them. The creature can restore a creature to no more than half of its hit point maximum. You can't use this feature on an undead or a construct. So, yeah, we'll find out in a minute if it did anything. <laughs> those of you who are up close, anybody who's at a distance probably doesn't see this. But, you know, you see from the inside, you know, it almost looks like the farmhand's hand is trying to press out from the middle of this creature. And, you know, he's not able to, to, to get free of it. 
it's you know almost now as if he's live inside this this creature i've got some shepherds that you know i you know, need a turn as well all right so yeah you see some arrows go flying you know by but uh yeah they don't don't seem to have any more luck than the rest of you on its turn it is going to make a claw attack on one of them missing you know hits another one with a claw attack it seems to uh fare a little bit better than his friend but it's a fairly mighty blow um even that said stanton your turn okay now we're getting somewhere now i just trying to stand get how the ranger works 23 has to hit 23 does hit okay <laughs> All right, so, so, all right. It's only for five points, but it's a start because, again, because again the other thing I can then do is, as a ranger, I can take advantage of Hunter's Prey, which gives me, well, no, it's not a additional attack feature. I want the extra attack. So I can attack twice. Uh-huh. Now, 22 also hits, right? That is correct, yes. Okay, here we go. Now, now we're dialing in. And that's better. That's more like it. That's 12 more points of damage. Okay. Yeah. All right. And now, basically, he has taken damage, correct? That is correct. He has All taken Okay. So in the future, then, that, that allowed me to add extra damage because I'm a Colossus Slayer. But okay. Yeah. That's next turn. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, do you want to ask you if you want roll perception on this thing? And actually, do it at advantage because you're a fairly experienced ranger and you've seen a lot of stuff. Okay, so so it's a twenty-three versus a <laughs> twenty-seven. So uh, okay, yeah, we'll I think I know. The, we'll go with the twenty-seven. Right. So you know, you know, this is the, this creature is kind of the uh, a creature that you've only heard about around fires. You know, uh, as people are kind of you, at the time, you thought they were telling tall tales of some of the things they had fought and this creature looks and seems to behave in a way that you know you remember hearing a story about this creature called you know a devourer that you know it kills and consumes all of the you know the the life forms that it it, it can and that it it's actually a large evil fiend that you know is supposed to you know come up from the darker regions Muttering, muttering myself again. I made the, I, that. I, I cursed myself for making a comment. They're coming up through the cracks like water flowing through the rocks. Great, just great. All right, uh, that's all I can do at this point. I think to be, you know, I'm, I, he's, yeah. You know. All right, Corin, what would you like to do? I think Corin would. Um. Never mind. Actually, I don't want to take him down because I have multiple range support behind me. So Corn would know better than to knock him to the ground. Um, I'm just going to uh, multi-attack again. Um, so for the claw, ah, okay, okay. Go, go for it. Ooh, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of a one against many situation. Uh, so go ahead and take a advantage. Seventeen. Yeah. For the claws. Pack tactic type thing. All right, and then for the bite, that's a twenty-four. So or twenty-five. So that hits too. Seventeen. All right. The seventeen uh, hits. So eight. And ten. Yeah, so eighteen. 
and you guys, he gets partial cover if I knock him to the ground, right? So that would make it harder for okay. Fezzik yep. and Stanton to shoot him. Okay, so... Um, uh, Corrin is going to try and stand between him and the, the shepherds. Now I'm going to position myself between them. That's the rest of me. Okay, so we need to move, you know, a little bit. Between them? Okay, yeah. All right, you know, uh, is, that, is that the rest of your turn? All right, Fezzik. All right, I'm going to run toward them, and as I do, I'm going to fire off another longbow shot. Okay, yeah, go for it. And do, it, do so at advantage. Yeah, that was a nice one. It is nice. All right, I'll take that 20. Okay, yeah. Um, was that a natural 20 by any chance? No, it was not natural. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Sorry. Give me some damage. Uh, oh, 10. That's a 7. See, these die are hard to see. 10. Five, all right, yeah, that does you know, good, good, a good amount of damage to it. Um, and is that it for your turn? Lit up, exactly, yes, that correct? is it. Okay, tornado. I will shoot a guiding bolt at it. Alrighty. 16. 16 is a hit. Damage is 15. Ooh, very nice. And I will. How far away? I I guess. I'll, I'll get within. 15 feet of it. Okay. That's good. All right. Let me attacks for our farm hands. Um, yes, everyone has advantage. All right. So you see, yeah, you know, the farm hands seem to be getting a beat on it as well. They do, you know, a good amount of damage as well. You know, so it's got, you know, probably five arrows sticking out of it now. Um, it, five additional ones. Oh, let's see if the if the one that's inside can do anything. Nope. Um, it's back to its turn. So it's got a wounded one in front of it. It is going to attempt this. It creates, you know, kind of what appears to be this vortex of energy that, you know, seems to surround one of the uh, farmhands and tries to envelop him. You can see that it... Uh, you know, this vortex of energy seems to consume him and then just drop him to the ground. That is the creature's turn. Um, Come on, baby. Come on. Big numbers. Big numbers. Big numbers. <laughs> 21. Not natural. Sorry. Okay. 21, 21 is, is a hit. hit. So, all right. So it's, again, being a... should know these terms better by now. As a Colossus Slayer, I'm gonna, uh, so first off, the, the damage for the arrow is 11 points, and then as a Colossus Slayer, I get an additional 1d8 damage, so that's six more points, so that's 17. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, can, can I take my extra attack? You may. Okay. Big number, big number, big number. 25 is a big number. Um, 25 is a big number, and that is a big hit. Okay, so then that is seven on the arrow. Colossus Slayer is 
five more, so 12 more points. Okay. I'm getting angry. Yeah. Um, and you can see that this thing is, is now, you've gotten its attention. <laughs> it, you know, is turning from the uh, farmhands towards your group, Corrin. Come on, pick on somebody half your size. I'll one-up that. Okay, so Corrin, as my bonus action, is going to stand on my hind legs and go to the full, like, 12-foot grizzly height and just bellow at him okay. right in his face. Um, okay, a little intimidation. That would be a 15. Uh, uh, no, 15, 15 for hit. my intimidation. Oh, just the intimidation, yeah. Um, you've got its attention, we'll say. <laughs> um, then I will go ahead and do my multi-attack okay. and just try to smash it. Um, so I have a 23 yep, for the that's a hit. claw attack. And then am I still at advantage or You're is all it? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're all on advantage because... Oh, oh. uh, no, Guiding Bolt's the next, bolt. just the next attack. Yeah, but I think this has been the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's hard to remember. But because of the attack tactics involved, you know, I would give you advantage anyway. It's a, it's a round. All right, so 26 then. So I have a 23 and a 26 is my two hits with the advantage. Okay, both of those are hits. Yeah. Roll me some damage. Uh, so 14 points. Okay, so, you know, tell us how this thing dies. So, Corrin just comes up and just drops both paws onto its chest, knocking it to the ground, and then bites down on the base of its neck and just tears it and, like, tears off its head. Yeah, so, you know, as it hits the ground, yeah, you can kind of see the, the halfling kind of still uh, wriggling inside it. We must rescue the halfling inside it. Cut it out. So Corrin's got both paws on the shoulders of this thing and just lifts its head up in Tornado's direction and it's still got the thing's like head sticking out. Like, hmm? All right. Uh, well, since it's down, I'm going to go over the hand axe and I'll, I will use the hand axe to kind of chop open the, the rib, the uh, rib cage to go, go find the, go find the, uh, find the halfling. Yeah, the halfling out. Yeah, so, you know, as, as you kind of cut this uh, halfling out, you can see that while Thandor managed to keep the, the, the farmhand alive, that the creature had turned it, uh, appears to have turned you know him into a zombie because he appears to be undead now. Uh, and the undead happens to be one of my targeted creatures. Let's see, I guess we're still technically an initiative. So, uh, uh, Thandor, uh, or no, actually, I guess it's Fezzix next. All right, so I'm going to attack. So by now I would have caught up with everything. And I pull out my clubs. Doesn't one of my clubs, I don't know why I don't have it written down, right? One of the clubs glowed, I seem to remember from. Yep, yeah, it, it does an extra 3d4 That's it, damage. 3d4. Ooh. All right, so I'm going to whack at this undead thing. Okay, yep. And I have two weapon fighting. So are we still on advantage or no? Um, yeah. not she would be. She, she's the last one of us to go, so she would get but, advantage. Yeah, what, what, yeah, yeah. What did what did you what did you roll anyway? So eighteen for one of them. Okay, that's definitely a hit. So and then eleven. 
11 damage? Um, no. I get it. I'm two weapon oh, fighting. Two weapon. So... Yeah, the 11's a hit as well. So the second one would have been a 19, would have been my best. Yeah, so yeah, go with, go with the 19 and the 11. I mean, both of those are hits. Alright, so one of those is a 2, and the other one is a... Three plus what you said three d six. Yep, uh, three yeah three d four. I do four. Plus another twelve. Okay, uh, what is that total? It's, uh... Look at that. They all rolled a four. How cool is that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what was the original number? It was twelve plus. Um, three. Three. Okay. Yeah. And then the first the first club did two. Yep. Um, so yeah, you you really knock 17. it back. <laughs> um, um, but it it's still attempting to to rise. Um, Thandor, I guess it's your turn. Thandor will turn undead. So it makes he needs to make a wisdom saving throw of fourteen. All right, it fails. Runs away, right? Yeah, it's trying to get away. It, yeah, as it's climbing, it starts to turn and move away from you. And you said there were some farmhands hurt. Um, there's one that's down on the ground, um, as if dead. Um, there's two, uh, I think, two to three others. Um, kind of the one, the one that is it is it dead or does it look just? It dead? looks dead. You would need to go over and investigate. To, I would let me cast um, healing word on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you see him start to stir when you know hit by that, and he gets ten hit points back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He'll you know start to you know, start to recover, but you know not get up immediately. And that's everything I have. Okay, you know, um, I believe you know, Stanton, that makes it your... Well, actually, out of nowhere, you see Anton you know, appear with his axe. He had to run back and get it out of the house because you'd made him leave it there. You know, so once again, always being upstaged by your son, he you know, brings this axe down to bear on you know, this zombie, which, of course, was... You, know, you hear, oh, no, Edwin! As, you know, he brings this axe down, killing the zombies. Look, Dad, I'm a zombie slayer. You know, he starts to use his uh, pants to clean, you know, whatever the zombie stuff is off of his pants. And, you know, he's like, I kind of imagined it'd be grosser than that. things that's the hardest thing for an adult to say to a child is I'm sorry. It implies to the child that we don't know what we're doing and that we're fallible. But that's actually good for them to know. They need to know that we can make mistakes and that we're brave enough to own up to them and to fix the thing that caused them in the first place. So, while it may seem 
counter to what you're normally taught, learn to say you're sorry. And not only to kids, but to other adults. When you're wrong, you have to admit to it. It establishes trust. Leaders and Legacies is a 5e podcast that is unaffiliated with the Boy Scouts of America or Wizards of the Coast. The opinions expressed here are solely our own. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here at Leaders and Legacies, please consider becoming a patron by joining us at patreon.com slash leadersandlegacies. You can also follow us on Twitter at Leaders and Legacy or join our blog at leadersandlegacies.com. Music and sound effects are licensed from Soundstripe.com. Logo art by Katherine Evans. Images also may have been licensed from Shutterstock.com. Check out these and many other amazing businesses by listening to us here on Leaders and Legacy. And never forget to remember... Well, it was moving pretty fast when I set fire to it.